Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are on, on the sixth lesson of our Rest in Christ third quarter lesson study, Finding Rest in Family Ties. That sounds very placid and comforting. Is that is that what we discovered in this week's lesson, Pastor Howard? <laughs> well, actually, um, I think the the idea behind it is that a lot of families aren't placid ah. and comforting, and sometimes we tend to think that the Bible heroes' families were always must have been they must have been heroes because they had everything good at home, and such is not the case as we're going to see this week. This week's lesson does a dive into. The story of Joseph, in fact, at the bottom of Sabbath's lesson, it says, This week we turn to the story of Joseph and his family ties in order to watch God at work bringing healing and emotional rest despite dysfunctional family relationships. Ooh, dysfunctional family relationships. Yes, indeed. Now that's, we hear that phrase tossed around a lot, and I think we're going to find some relevant uh, uh, application points. Yeah, we don't week. really think of it. I don't think too many people think of it in the Bible so much, that, mm. oh, dysfunctional family although anybody who studied the Bible knows it's You start it's reading there, through it pretty you quickly, just, yeah. you see it's there, and it uh, certainly hasn't changed that much over time. So they, what they needed then, we need today. That's right. And so but we're going to find, find rest, rest exactly in Christ. But before we go through this week's lesson and go point by point, yes. let's start with a word of prayer, and uh, let's begin now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the relevance of your word. We know it's true always, but we can find particular application in our lives today. Please bless our study now, our time together, as we review this lesson, and bless those Sabbath school classes as they get to have the opportunity of studying together in that local class. Please bless everyone involved and help us become more like Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, okay, our Pastor talking Howard, points this week. Tell us. Talking point number one, we drew from Sunday through Tuesday. There's a little overlap, which you're going to see, but Sunday through Tuesday, true worth is determined by Calvary. Okay. In a dysfunctional situation in our family, people, you know, there tends to be a question, it, it, there tends to be devaluing in the mind of some, mm. sometimes the, the kids and what have you, or even the parents. So we're going to talk about true worth determined by Calvary. That's point number one. Number two, talking point is God is greater than your dysfunction. Amen. Amen. That's encouraging. And that's taken from Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> so that's the bulk of this week's lesson <laughs> yes. is that point. Okay. Yes. Good. Yes, it is. And then number three, don't be mastered by your circumstances. Mm. Um, oftentimes, if if you grow up in a dysfunctional family, you feel like that's all you can, you can never really be anything because mm. you have these things, these clogs weighing you down. Not so. Mm. Don't be mastered by your circumstances. That's taken primarily from Thursday's lesson. Okay, well, let's go back to point number one and walk through this a little bit. True yes. worth is determined by Calvary. What are we talking about with worth and how people determine okay, well, their worth? Okay, well, you know, so a little background. The lesson starts out Sunday talking about this background that Joseph grew up with. Of course, if you read the story of Joseph, you know that he, his father, he had basically, his whole family was from four different mothers and one father, mm. which created a lot of rivalry in the home. Um, you add to that that Joseph was especially doted upon by his yes, father because by dad, he was, yeah. you know, Jacob had intended to marry only Rachel, mm. and and she couldn't have children at first. And finally, when she did, she had Joseph and Benjamin. Mm. And so Joseph was especially doted upon, and that created rivalry, more yeah. exacerbated that situation. Of course, then his brothers sell him into slavery. That's got to hurt the old self-esteem. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the whole the whole situation. I mean, I suppose the father doting on him could help, but then the brother's always on him yeah. the other way, and then being sold as a, 
Yeah. Yeah, between doted <laughs> on one hand and picked on on the other hand and then sold all I mean, together. Yes. Do we yeah. kill him or sell him? Well, we'll sell him, but in I like one how of your sub point is... says, furthermore, being sold by his brothers into slavery may have severely impacted Joseph's <laughs> self worth. And I was like, you think? <laughs> well, the reason I have may have is because of what we find happen in the story of Joseph. For mm. most people, it would definitely have have permanently impacted yeah. their self worth. But the quarterly brings out, and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, actually, that mm. Joseph, and if you read the account in Patriarchs and Prophets, there's a piece of it on, on Monday. You find that when Joseph was leaving in that caravan, taken off to be sold into slavery by the Ishmaelite traders, slave traders, he could see in the distance his father's tents. You know, you yes. see home, but it's too far to yell. And yeah, there's it's nobody just can... fading off in the horizon. You see that there's home in, in your mind. I'm never going to see that again. I'm never mm -hmm. going to see my loved ones or family. And, and Ellen White says in Patriots and Prophets that Joseph was terror stricken. You know, heart yes. palpitation, all that. But in, in that experience, he came to a resolution. I want you to read that resolution. It tells about it a little bit there in... Um, sure. What is that? Third paragraph on Monday. So then his thoughts turned to his father's God. In his childhood, he had been taught to love and fear him. Often in his father's tent, he had listened to the story of the vision that Jacob saw as he fled from his home in exile and a fugitive. Now all these precious lessons came vividly before him. Joseph believed that the God of his fathers would be his God. He then and there gave himself fully to the Lord, and he prayed that, he, that the keeper of Israel would be with him in the land of his exile. Oof. Powerful statement, and we know that's true with the experience of Joseph. And so, obviously, that decision impacted, you know, all the other. We're going to yes. see as we go through the story of Joseph. And apparently, I think I think this week's lesson and next week's lesson are and into how the story tempting of it must have been to just curl up in that, you know, in that discouragement and <laughs> mm -hmm. depression and just wall yourself off. And but in that moment of crisis. Notice also that those stories that had always been like, kind of like maybe yes. in the background noise are interesting, mm -hmm. not almost mythology or folklore. It's like, yes. now I'm the guy who's the fugitive. No, now I, think I'm that's very, I think that's very true. And I, I, I don't even think it's inappropriate to say like mythology or folklore. Obviously, we're not saying the Bible is that. Right. But that How is what the Bible it? is to Adventist young people grow up in the church, Adventist old people. Until you accept Christ, that's all it is, is folklore. Right. It becomes real only in Christ. And so perhaps it was even in God's providence. Obviously, we look back with 2020 hindsight and say, oh, I see how God led there. But from Joseph's perspective, he doesn't know the outcome yet. But That's he right. just knows now I'm in this situation. I have a choice to make. Am I going to make this God experience real for me? And he makes the right choice. Praise That's right. The Lord. And that so Tuesday's lesson talks about finding self-worth. But I, the, the finding self-worth was impacted by this decision of Joseph. Mm. Because when you look at Calvary, you find out what your value is. Mm -hmm. You know, if you listen to your dysfunctional family, whether it be aunts and uncles, parents, step-parents, you know, brothers, sisters, whatever, who, you know, trash-talking you and everything else, that's not your value. Mm. Your boss or anybody else, your value is determined by, and I've always told people that the, the, the price of anything, the value of anything is determined by the price somebody's willing to pay. Yes. And the price paid for us on Calvary is infinite. Mm. And Joseph realized, and when he saw that, he realized, and you'll see throughout his situation and circumstances, he regarded himself as God regarded him. Mm. Um, Tuesday's lesson on, in paragraph three makes this point. It says, we need to find our self-worth in what God thinks of us, how he sees us, and not in the roles that we currently have. 
Mm. Be it a slave, you know, I'm just a slave. No, you're a child of God. And that's how Joseph saw himself. So, mm-hmm. point number one, true worth is determined by Calvary. In fact, there's a great statement from Mount of Blessings I always think of when I think of value. And, of course, in the context of Joseph and the trial he's going through, he could have said, well, God wouldn't, I must not be worth much to God if he wouldn't yeah. let me go through this. Read what it says there in Mount of Blessings, page 10. The trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities and roughness from our character. Upon no useless material does the master bestow such careful, thorough work. Only his precious stones are polished after the similitude of a palace. <laughs> so when you, basically I take away from this that when you find yourself, you know, well, metaphorically sold into slavery or in mm-hmm. some sort of like challenging thing that would be overwhelming otherwise, you it might be tempting to think, clearly God has discarded me. Yes. That there is no hope here that I am in a, a terrible situation. But this is why it brings up the point that, like, if you're going through a rough time, that's the same thing that the that the, the 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 polisher of stones does yes. to those rough elements. It's like you put them in the grinder and but you it, got a chisel. Yeah. If you're trying to smooth out a stone, you don't wipe it smooth. Right. You, gotta, you don't even hammer sand, sand it. You gotta chisel it off yeah. and you know square it up and, and polish it. it while up. it may seem, but he had to see something of value in the rock itself in order to That's spend right. the time to hurt it that way to clean it up. That's right. And so in Joseph's situation, he could he could just say, well, it was me, and it'd be done. But he said, no, 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 I'm going to double down. There is a God. He's That's promised right. to bring me through, and I'm going to be stick with him. Absolutely. So, number one, true worth is determined by Calvary. Number two, as we see in this story as well, God is greater than your dysfunction. Yes, uh, Joseph had a dysfunctional situation, and... Um, I found a statement that I thought was interesting that it goes a little bit before Joseph with his father, Jacob. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacob had made some very poor choices and what yes. have you. But Ellen White makes a statement in Patriarchs and Prophets, and, I, and I, it wasn't in the lesson, but it was in the chapter that dealt with Joseph mm-hmm. in Patriarchs and Prophets here. It says, Jacob had chosen the inheritance of faith. He had endeavored to obtain it by craft, treachery, and falsehood. So he made the right choice to right. serve God. So the inheritance of faith to... is a good thing, but how are you getting there? Come on. <laughs> But Ellen White says, but God had permitted his sin to work out its correction. So it's interesting that... Yeah, you that, have to sit there and think about that, that one for a minute. Yes. Yeah. That, that those... Yes, Jacob... So, so sometimes we say, yeah, I've made all these mistakes. Now God won't have anything to do with me. Not so. Sometimes we make mistakes and, and foolish decisions... But the ultimate decision is we want to serve God. We don't know how to do it right. Mm-hmm. We try to do it in our own way and what have you. But even situations like that, that, God can take and turn around for good. So even the choices that we've made that have been out of harmony with his will, that have been actually not what he would have us do, yes. but we still intend, like, I know I eventually want to end up where you are, Lord, and I'm sorry for the way I've gone about mm-hmm. it and the, the mistakes I've made in my life. So the Lord doesn't remove those mistakes or even the consequences of them, but he uses the consequences yes. as a as a redemptive measure to correct our erring way and bring us where we should have been all along. Yeah, so sometimes we wonder about consequences and why God doesn't just take them away. But the consequences, like, how bad would sin appear if we never felt the consequences? How bad is a burn if I put my hand in the fire and God's like, well, I'm going to keep you from feeling that. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to realize that that can burn me. So what does hurt me is also used as a tool of God to improve me. Nice. Well, so, you know, even going back to far, so far as to Jacob and, and some of this dysfunction, God allowed some of these things to work out their purposes because, um, it, and so the point being, the greater point is God is greater than your dysfunction. There is no situation so dysfunctional that God isn't greater than that. Joseph, despite his 
hereditary inheritances and also the, um, the circumstances he grew up in, God overruled those things. So that even when he faced that temptation, and Wednesday's lesson brings up the temptation of uh, Potiphar's wife, mm -hmm. even a fierce temptation like that, we could easily say, look, Joseph, I mean, the proclivities he has, his dad with multiple wives, mm -hmm. and then his all brothers were than Sterling either. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it would be understandable for him just to fall into that temptation. I mean, who wouldn't? He was a good looking guy. Yeah. He was not married, and, yeah. and make excuses for it. But despite all of the dysfunction, mm. Joseph was able to resist in the grace of God. And mm. there's a great quote that is on Friday's lesson. I've actually shared part of it here and part of it later. Mm -hmm. But if you want to read that, it's from uh, Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 1, page 132. Here is an example to all generations who should live upon the earth. Although they may be exposed to temptations, yet they should ever realize that there is a defense at hand, and it will be their own fault if they are not preserved. Mercy. Mm -hmm. That may not be a popular idea, but God has given the out. So, Well, yeah. the, po the point is that God is never to blame. Mm. If you fall into temptations, because, well, where was God? It's not where it was God. Yeah. God's there and he's made a way. Exactly. So if he's given you the out, it's your choice to continue. God will be a present help and his spirit a shield. Although surrounded with the severest temptations, there is a source of strength to which they can apply and resist them. Absolutely. Hmm. So again, your dysfunction is not something that's too... Like God's not looking at it and saying, well, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> and I think that's important because... I don't know that there's much that isn't dysfunctional on this planet at this time in Earth's history, you know, to some degree. Is it possible that that sheds a new light on the whole idea of, you know, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good mm -hmm. to those who love him and are called right. according to his purpose? The idea is that, like, doesn't mean all things are going to go smooth. No, it doesn't say all things are good. Yeah. It says all the, things work together for good. Yeah, they're Big working difference. together, but working something out is, is yes. step by step and challenges, but the end result is going to be, so God uses circumstances, he uses consequences, he uses all these things as tools, but if we continue to rely on him, he's like, if you keep following step by step, we can correct these things and get to where we need to go. Absolutely. Now, the lesson brought out on Sunday, and I included the question here because I thought it needed to be, we needed to address it. The question was asked, why do you think Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are listed as faith heroes in Hebrews 11, 17 to 22, when you consider their messy family relationships, right? <laughs> this dysfunction, how can they be called heroes? Now, the first... <laughs> I, the first couple points I made there, obviously, Acts 17.30 got, talks about how God overlooks the times of our ignorance. Okay. And also, 2 Corinthians 8.12 talks about how God judges us according to what one has and not according to what he... In other words, he, ju he doesn't judge according to what you don't know. He he doesn't Your capacity is taken right. into consideration, too. He, he judges according to our knowledge and abilities. But to me, the greater point there is that, you know, the question is, how could God call these dysfunctional people heroes? Is there is there a hero in the Bible that wasn't didn't have sinful tendencies? In other words, the hero of the Bible is God. Amen. And a lot of times we try to make these we try to do it a, a, very humanistic and dealing with the Bible heroes like well you know in fact we talk about the one of the ways that we know the Bible is inspired is because it doesn't gloss over the faults where typically in history. From a non-biblical standpoint, we want to gloss over the faults. We even make up stories. George Washington, the cherry tree. It never yeah. happened, but, you know, we want to... So... Yeah. Going back to that mythology thing. But, you know, you think about Hebrews chapter 11. It's the hall of 
faith, yes. not the Hall of Fame, right? It's not the idea that yes. these men were inherently so good and they worked it out. The whole point of that chapter is that they weren't good, but That's they relied exactly on Christ right. to be good. And through, by faith, they did. By faith, they did. So it's faith in whom? The, the right. guy who has the power to sustain them. That's the hero. That's right. Abraham, Moses, Noah, all these guys were, I praise the Lord for their example, but their yes. example was not their works. It was That's them right. relying on Christ. And through that, Christ is the hero. Yes, in spite of them. Yeah. And so... <laughs> When we get to looking at the disciples and the the uh, you know yeah, heroes of the Bible a as, hero? as uh, no he was a fisherman who as the Lord way used. up here, then it discourages us from you know I'm never going to make it. But praise the Lord that He used people with the same with like passions. The Bible says in the Book of James uh, that share in our weaknesses so that we can see what God can do. Absolutely and. God is greater than your dysfunction. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and the final point, number three, and it goes right along with that, is don't be mastered by your circumstances. Oh, I love that. Now, I think of the story of Joseph, and, okay, so you're, you're, you, you grew up in a home that's dysfunctional. Your brothers sell you as a slave. I just think to myself, what attitude would I have? I'm sold as a slave? Forget this. I'm not working hard. Uh, go ahead, I'll get the lash and I'll work. I'll do the bare minimum to try to get by, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do my best. Mm. You know, I I could tend to be embittered about the situation, mm -hmm. and then you know I'm talking about selling into slavery. The whole life of Joseph, he gets sold into slavery, but because he doesn't, because he decides he's going to uh, not act like a slave, not be embittered, but because he's going to give it his all. He's noticed by Potiphar and put in charge of all his house, right? Yeah. But then Potiphar's wife comes along and Joseph is faithful to God. And what is his reward of faithfulness? Back into prison. Yeah. You know, and you could very easily get embittered and have an attitude, but mm. you never see because and you, you hear it. We hear it from people all the time. It's like, well, I would be. My life would be in advance of this. I'd be a better person if this hadn't happened, if this hadn't happened. And if mm. I were situated better, if my, my family were more, if I didn't come from a dysfunctional family or we had had more money or uh, my, uh, they could have paid for me to go to college mm. or, you know, all of these if, 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 if circumstantial things. Joseph had so many circumstances. He'd say, I could have been a great man if. Yeah. How many good things in our life now do we chalk up to circumstance we, or the lot, lack of the good things? Yes. Like, man, I wish this. I just don't have time. I don't have the money. And my, you got to understand, my family's like this. And and if you knew what I was dealing with, and, all, and you blah, blah, mm -hmm. and and we start not living the life that even we want, much less the life that God wants, and we start talking circumstances as though they are the single determinate factor of <laughs> right. all things that happen in our life. And the Bible, praise the Lord, paints a different picture that doesn't downplay the fact that we are all in different places and different, but that there's something greater than that and that's God and his will and we can choose to be in harmony with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, it makes me think of, you know, Thursday's lesson highlights Ephesians 6 and it asks the question, what is the big picture perspective on relationships that Paul presents in Ephesians 6? What's God's view of relationships? Mm -hmm. But it brings this out in Ephesians 6 verses, um, uh, starting with verse 5, it says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, mm. doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord, not to men. So three times there, as to Christ. As to Christ, as to the Lord, as to mm. God. So 
the idea, and I think of that with Joseph. Joseph did the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord, not to man. He didn't, Lord, yeah. in his mind, he saw his value in God, he saw himself as a servant of God, and he was faithful to God. Mm. And so he didn't allow circumstances to change that perspective for him. And, and I think about even, um, even in the temptation with um, Potiphar's wife, right? How yes. can I do such a great thing and sin against you? You'd think it'd been like Potiphar. Right. But he said sin against God. What did David say? Against you and you only. Yes. Like they had this idea that my number one perspective, not that other people don't exist and we shouldn't consider their feelings, right. but my number one priority in life is does this harmonize with my true Lord, which is Jesus Christ? And from that perspective, it changes how we view our circumstances, right? I think of Moses. He endured as one who, uh, seeing the invisible. Like, mm. he lived in a different realm, in a different reality. Like David, like Joseph, they lived in the constant consciousness of the presence of God. I love this passage. You have it in the notes there. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, mm-hmm. verse 22, thinking about the mindset, especially with Joseph and his slavery. He was literally yes. a slave, right? It says, for he who is called in the Lord's while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Mm. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. But the idea being that though you might be in a literal bondage of some sort, now our slavery may not be a chain today, but it might yes. be financial or circumstantial yes. or whatever the issue is, education, you name it. And it'd be so tempting to say, well, I can't because I'm stuck. Right. But if you have that mindset that, no, no, I'm the child of a king. I've been called yes. for a higher purpose. I'm going to act in that way that God's going to honor that fidelity. And you can be free. You're the Lord's freed man, no matter it. where you go. It's I love powerful. it. Notice this statement from uh, Testimonies, Volume 2, page 571. Ellen White is counseling a, uh, a person here who is doing like we were just saying. Well, if I didn't have this happen to me, and I didn't have mm. this circumstance or this, then, then I would be better off. And she says, you are constantly, I'm sorry, you are continually finding fault with circumstances, which is nothing less than finding fault with providences. Oof. <laughs> ah. The providence is something that God brings about or allows. Is it possible that our circumstances that we are complain about providences? With, like, those are the obstacle God has allowed to be there to help you out, and you're just sitting there poor mouthing them all the time. Get up and use them for God's glory. Well, you Lord. had a great statement from uh, Adventist oh, 248. I love it. It says here, Many who do well under favorable circumstances seem to undergo a transformation of character under adversity and trial. They deteriorate in proportion to their troubles. God never designed that we should be the sport of circumstances. So <laughs> adversity and tr- so favorable circumstances versus unfavorable circumstances. Like yes. when the circumstances are good. So this idea yeah. of sport of circumstances. Well, she, Mrs. White uses that phrasing more than one occasion, and it's a really I, I love that the the imagery there because you think of something like a a cat with a poor little mouse is just toying with it, just sporting with it, right? Or like a a, a basketball player with a ball is just bouncing it, shooting it, as it, the ball has no choice, and it's just right. being bounced around. And we think of our lives sometimes like, well, I guess I'm going to bump, buffeted by this way, that, and like a reed blown in the wind. Right. And she's like, you were never designed to live as a, as the sport of circumstances. Yes. You should you should plant your feet, make a choice, and walk. Yes. And and we think about it even spiritually. We talk about like, well, you know, I have mm. temptation, and what about my hereditary? You know where I come from, and right. my cult. I, I, I've been doing it for so long. She's like, those things may be real, but they're opportunities to go past that that God can give you strength. So don't be the sport of circumstances. You know, it's interesting. We talk about all that circumstances and and 
often have to do with, with uh, when we talk about circumstances and why I can't, what I'm really talking about is why I can't. Mm. My focus is on me and my weaknesses and this and that. What we're talking about is with Joseph, he focused on God's strength, not his own weaknesses. Mm -hmm. and look at this statement from a Testimony 6, page 145. It says, opposing circumstances should create a firm determination to overcome them. Mm. One barrier broken down will give greater ability and courage to go forward, press in the right direction, and make a change, solidly, intelligently. Then, circumstances will be your helpers and not your hindrances. Amen. Make a beginning. The oak is in the acorn. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so good. You know, you, you make a little step and God will make it powerful and it'll be big and it'll be great. But you've got to, don't let your circumstances hinder you. Don't be mastered by your you know, circumstances. I think but even in the smallest things in life, I've used this illustration before, but it's so apropos, you know, my kids that are a certain age now, when you give, I give them this big project, like clean your room and it's such a mess or something mm -hmm. like that. And they'll start focusing on all the reasons they can't. It's like, I don't know where this goes. I can't reach this. I can't. <laughs> and I say, you know, I say, look, start with what you can do, right. not with what you can't. And I love that idea of the oak is in the acorn. Make, make a change, make a choice, make, as she says, make a beginning and then grow from there. Absolutely. And God God uses our circumstances such a way. You may not be able to solve everything at once, but just make a choice on one issue and conquer that, then step to the next one, yes. and he's going to work it out. Yes, and the story of Joseph exemplifies this on Friday's lesson, uh, the rest of that quote. Well, I've, I've actually quoted a little bit beyond it, I believe. I just took the quote from Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 1, that is quoted on Friday's lesson. Um, Ellen White says, Joseph suffered for his virtue and integrity. Speaking now again of the temptation with Potiphar's wife, he gets thrown mm -hmm. into prison. He suffered for his virtue and integrity, for she who would lead him astray, Potiphar's wife, revenged herself upon the virtue that she could not subvert, and by her influence caused him to be cast into prison by charging him with a foul wrong. Here, Joseph suffered because he would not yield his integrity. He had placed his reputation and interest in the hands of God. And although he was suffered to be afflicted for a time, to prepare him to fill an important position, so God allowed mm -hmm. it because he had a greater purpose, yet God safely guarded that reputation that was blackened by a wicked accuser, and afterward, in his own good time, caused it to shine. God, even, God made even the prison the way to his elevation. Virtue will in time bring its own reward. Mm. Powerful statement. That is incredible. And I'm so glad that we, again, have these stories in Scripture. Because I don't know exactly what it's like to be sold into slavery or have this or that you know, trial or difficulty. But there are pieces and parts of this that every one of us can relate to. That's and right. the lessons that Joseph needed to learn, we need to learn today. Well, it's awesome here that God uh, allowed this to happen to Joseph in the prison. But he used that that as a stepping stone for him. Mm -hmm. Joseph trusted his reputation into the hands of God, and God, through all this, still was able to bring him forth untarnished. And at the end of it, he's the prime minister of Egypt Amen. because of all of these things. So God is the hero of the Bible. God can be your hero. You put your life in his hands. Amen. And he will um, bless you abundantly. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for these important lessons today. Thank you for being a God who is bigger than our circumstances, who can, in, in whom we can find our true identity and make clear steps, even if we don't see the results immediately. Please, Lord, help us never to be the sport of circumstances, but help us to be true free men in Jesus Christ. 
Lord, bless the Sabbath school classes that are going to be taught this week. Bless every participant and member and every leader and help each one of us to be blessed and be a blessing to another person this week. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.